Money. Money, money, money. So fun to always talk about, isn't it? I really can't believe that we're already back here. This morning, we were working, uh, meeting and working on planning worship for the next few weeks. And well, six weeks we start Advent. I don't know if that has sunk into you all yet, but it sunk into us this morning. Six weeks till Advent. So here we are again, this month of stewardship, because we have to complete a 2020 budget in a couple of weeks. So I'm talking about money. For those of you who haven't been here, I'm, I'm leaning on this book called The Soul of Money. I know it sounds like I'm trying to sell it. I'm not. But it is, it is a wonderful book that has really uh, influenced me a lot. And uh, so I encourage you, if you would like to read it, to get it. Um, it's a wonderful book. And while I'm not concentrating on giving, I'm trying for us to look at money and what money, what, it, what role it really plays in our life each and every day. We talked, well, I talked to you and you listened to me talk about money and how it is literally part of everything that we do. It influences almost every decision that we make. Then last week I talked about how we've all bought into this myth that there's not enough, so we all have to fight to get it while the getting is good and before someone else gets it. And that's why people camp out to get new phones or PlayStation 4s to be the first to get them. Maybe we could believe that there could be enough if we're willing to help one another rather than compete with one another. To let go of that myth of scarcity opens us to the surprising truth of sufficiency. That's what I want to talk about today, sufficiency. Now please understand sufficiency isn't a measure It's something that is inside of us that we acknowledge, that we decide that we are enough and there is enough. It's something we choose in the midst of our circumstances. Sufficiency doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive or we shouldn't aspire. Lynn Twist in this book says that sufficiency is an act of generating of distinguishing, of making known to ourselves the power and the presence of our existing resources and our inner resources. Sufficiency is a context we bring forth from within that reminds us that if we look around us and if we look within ourselves, we'll find what we need. If we could allow ourselves to experience this sense of sufficiency, then we could look at life from a point of wholeness rather than a need to complete ourselves. It makes us want, sufficiency makes us want to share, makes us want to give, 
It makes us want to use the resources that flow through our lives, our time, our money, our wisdom, our energy. At whatever level those resources flow, it makes us want to share them. If we can let go of that need to have to get, to have to obtain, then we can take all the energy and intention and invest it in what we have. It's kind of back, backwards from what you would think I would be preaching right now, right? Which is, let's get as much as we can get. I'm not saying that this world has everything we need so we shouldn't take care of it. We need to use our resources wisely. But I am saying that we need to work together so that everyone has all the resources rather than the haves and have-nots. This struggle for sufficiency really has nothing to do with stuff or money. It has everything to do with your relationship with stuff and money. That feeling that I have to get before there's nothing left for me. There are people all over this world who have more than most of us can ever imagine having. There is a powerful story in this book that is really too long for me to, to share all of it with you. But let me kind of paraphrase it a little. Lynn Twist has gone to talk to some of the top women of Microsoft. These are that tiny percentage of the top 1% of wealthiest people in the world. And she goes to spend a weekend at a conference with them, and they are the successful women of Microsoft. And she sits down first with them in a small group and talks to them about their lives. And she says, tell me what your days look like. And they mostly all say, well, we get up early in the morning and fix breakfast and feed our children. And then either we load them up and take them off to their schools or their nannies take them off to their schools. And then they work a 17 or an 18 hour day. They come home at 10 or 11 o'clock, kiss their sleeping children on the head, sometimes work a little longer, go to bed and get up and start the day all over. And this happens six days a week. One day a week, they work from home. Very few vacations. These women have all the resources they need, all the money they need. They have the best nannies, the best child care. Their kids are involved in the best after-school programs. They don't go on vacations. Their weekends are filled with work. None of the women could share about friends that they have or that they spend time with. Most of them couldn't even talk about their families. 
But they all had one thing in common. They were going to work really, 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 really hard until they could retire and enjoy life. But by then, their children would be grown, and life would be different. They always knew that things were going to change after the next project, but the next project never ended. Then Lynn began to share with these women about women she had met in other countries, women that she had worked with who were living in resource-poor situations. I love that. Lynn says we should never, ever call anyone poor because that is an internal thing that we should say people live in resource-poor situations. And so she would tell the story of these women who live in resource-poor situations, and they have children, and they work 17 or 18 hours a day, just like the Microsoft women. The difference is they don't have a place to provide for their children, so their children are with them. And they involve their children in the work. They involve themselves with other people in the community that are in the same situation that they are in. They work 17, 18 hours a day, but they work with each other. And they sing, and they dance, and they celebrate life. How these women's experiences were centered in appreciation and gratitude and how they had rich relationships with each other even when they were looked down on by people with wealth. In these harsh places for these women, it was about community and caring for one another and that's how they survived the busyness and the difficulties of working long hours. The belief of sufficiency is always available. It doesn't depend on having the most. It depends on believing that I am fulfilled. I may still be hungry. I may still need shelter or water. But I'm enough. One great example of the laws of enough are those in nature. There's just so much soil. There's just so much water. There's just so much sunshine. The planet doesn't get bigger. We hope it gets better. Its creatures learn and mature and diversify and evolve and create amazing beauty and complexity, but all within the limits of this world. The idea of sufficiency allows us to transform our unsustainable culture to a sustainable one. It helps us create a whole new culture around money, one that may sound rather familiar That is, that we should learn how to be good stewards of money rather than gatherers of money. 
It allows our financial resources to reflect our inner wealth rather than our outward display of riches. Whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. So once again, how do I translate this to our church and our giving? Well, I worry sometimes that we get into that idea that more is better. We want more people. We want more money. We want more activities. We want more people to help. And those are all facts of life and true. We get discouraged when people aren't here. We get down when people don't come to activities. We work tireless hours to make things happen around here. And all of it is good. But we need to take a moment to look at our reasoning. Do we want people here because it's more comfortable to have the sanctuary full? Or do we want people here to hear the word of God? To hear the message proclaimed? Do we want more activity so we can have fun and, and do more as a community? Or do we want to be here to support one another and to hold one another up and to minister to one another? Do we want more money so we can look better and pretty things up and do? Or do we want to be able to spread the kingdom of God in our community? Our scripture today calls us to proclaim the message. And what message is that? This passage says that no matter what's going on, that we need to be persistent are we persistent in our message that God is our creator, that Christ is our salvation? You are sufficient. God wants you just the way you are. God will provide for our needs. That's the big word for our needs. Not our desires, not our wants, but our needs. And this passage in Jeremiah says it so clear. I will write the law on your heart. I will be your God. When that is true, when we have allowed God to write his name on our heart, then the resources that flow through us, whatever those resources may be, maybe it is money, but maybe it's love and peace and joy and comfort or caring, all those things that flow through our hearts because we are children of God. All those things we want to share because God has told us that we are enough. You are enough. Amen and amen. Our hymn of response.